To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, everyone. Here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal? Investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock, I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Second, 27 in the third. I see it. Here's number one. Do you believe it? This one would be to tie Wilt for number two, and the next one would be to pass. For the night, at least. Brown for 80. This would be 18 for 20 from the line, and an 81-point game. 55 in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the second greatest scoring performance in NBA history. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. Happy Wednesday evening, everybody. No coffee in studio tonight. I just had the largest battle with a corporation that I've ever had. Streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Or if you just want to be my friend, you can go to Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. It's all business, though. I don't slide into your DMs unless you really want me to. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Uh, I'm sorry for the late live stream, but I don't think you care. Uh, I just got off the phone with Comcast. Uh, if you, uh, There was a long battle there, but needless to say, cheers to a successful, albeit long-fought, long-hard-fought conclusion. And to the victor go the spoils, and I am the victor. Tired, weary one, but I'm the victor nonetheless. You know, what's funny is um, before, how do I want to word this? Am I even streaming? Yeah, I'm streaming. Okay. All right. Focus here. Sorry. I came together at the last minute. Um, we all play, I'll just jump right into it. I had an old thing, you know, it's just whatever, but I'll, I'll just get into it. We all play, you know, hurt. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a champ. You know, I play hurt. I play sick. I play, uh you know, against the cards. But I think right now, this week, we're all playing a little sad. But that's what you got to do. See, I know I have dinner table rules in this podcast. Absolutely no politics. We don't discuss sports. And we don't really dabble in religion. But before I was the way I am today, this, you know stubborn individual that has to do everything themselves and doesn't trust a single human being. I was a sports fan. I loved watching, you know, Derek Jeter hit uh, shots over the short porch, hitting 3,000 hits. I loved the Jordan years, all his championships. I I loved, you know, Montana to Rice, Steve Young finally getting the monkey off his back in the Super Bowl against the Chargers. And I just love icons, people who will do 
whatever it takes. All they care about is winning. They just they don't want to just be the best that they can be. They want to be better than you. They want to be better than the person who was supposed to be greater than them. And nobody was more potent of that idea, I guess per se, than Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was more than a sports figure. Kobe Bryant was a global icon. He was somebody who went from being at the lowest of the low with the accusations in Colorado to being this, and then he went from that to being, once again, a cha- uh, an NBA Finals champion, and then being this amazing husband and amazing father. Now, how that happened is nothing short of a miracle, and maybe a giant gold, and maybe a giant diamond ring. But he did what he had to do, and he accomplished it. It hurts to know that your some of your heroes have gone the way they shouldn't have. I can't imagine how people, you know, in the islands must have felt when Roberto Clemente died in a plane crash, or how New Yorkers felt when Thurman Munson died in a plane crash, or when Buddy Holly died in a plane crash, or who was a rock icon, um, not Bob Seger. The other one, Stevie Ray Vaughan. It when you realize that somebody has all this fuel still left for life, they have so much to do. They're in the peak of their second wave of life, and you get the news on a Sunday that them and their the next NBA, the next WNBA star, their daughter, perish in a in a in a crash. It's it just it it does it, it it there are some people where it's sad and you move on or it was their time to go and you and you you accept it nobody was nobody who has any understanding of who Kobe Bryant was nobody who has any understanding of um who his daughter Gigi was going to be may understand this but the for the fact is we all know we all get it and it was, I guess for me, I mean, obviously I wasn't there, but it, it felt like, you know, with the day John Lennon died to some. L.A. is is reeling. I, Sha- Shaq is beside himself. The whole sports community, the world, the icon. A father, ha- a father has left his family involuntarily. A daughter has left her, her mother. We're all trying to, even the, the people who know how to talk into these microphones, I'm me not being one of them, are still struggling to find the words to describe what just happened. And the only one, and the only ones I can say is, I remember in Munich back in the late 70s, or no, Munich was 72, sorry. Um, When there was that, murder of the 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 um, the Israeli um the Israeli squad the and it was just like the anchor the news anchor didn't know what else to say he just said they're all gone it just it just hit us like a brick i don't know what else to say above the fact that a great sports icon a great figure to look up to in many different ways for even for all his faults is no longer here even though he was just here a minute ago. I respected him as an athlete, as a go-getter, a guy who, like myself, got up at 4 o'clock in the morning but did things beyond, above and beyond my mere couple of cups of coffee at 4 o'clock. This guy was at it. But the thing that pisses me off, above all else, is this is, is California in general. This guy went out of his way. He bought a high-end Sikorsky helicopter with all the trimmings because of the L.A. traffic being so bad because they're not going to do anything because the, the people there who run the building, run the, the, run the state, aren't going to do anything about it. He has to go just so he can see, he can run his, his sports camp and get back in time to pick his daughter up from school. 
He's got to rent a multi-million. He's got. He bought a multi-million-dollar helicopter so that he could transport between eight and ten people from one place to another within fifteen to twenty minutes, because the streets aren't allowable for him to do such a thing. It's making our celebrities take more risks than maybe we're comfortable with them doing. You know, it's it's one thing for Tom Cruise to be jumping from rooftop to rooftop. It's a. It's still a controlled setting. He does his own stunts. But this was something that maybe in my, I don't know, vodka-infused opinion could have been avoided. It and He was. He, he was one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Getting ready for, getting ready to prep his daughter, who was to become quite, quite possibly one of the greatest WNBA players of all time. And it just it it hurt to watch all that news just hit so hard. And the way some of the news was portrayed was just downright disrespectful. But you come to expect that nowadays from from news when it comes to TMC and CNN and all that jazz. But it doesn't at the end of the day when you get through all that anger and and silliness, it still leaves you with a giant loss. Or at least it leaves me with that. I remember watching it just. He's every I love when people say this guy's done, he's he's spent, he's got nothing left in the tank. And then year after year, that person comes back and proves you wrong. I love it when a, a competitor or a sports figure or or just a public figure in general comes back and proves everybody wrong. I love that America is about the underdog story. And I'm not saying Kobe was an underdog story. He came right out of high school and was destroying fools on the court. But the fact that he even had the time to be a family man and get his daughter ready to be the exact same type of player makes him something beyond just a Hall of Famer, posthumously. He was something else. He really was. And I don't know what else to do besides give him his moment, at least on my podcast, and break the rules of talking about a a figure that was so big to me and was a hero in the fact that America loves an underdog story, but he was never an underdog. This guy was determined to be the best and say, I'm coming for Jordan and I don't care what it takes, even in this league. Was he Jordan? No. But damn it, he was the closest thing you could possibly come to him. There was nobody else that got my attention as far as how he played like him. Damn guy had he's been to the finals like nine, ten times. And to juggle that type of, to not only be in the NBA, but to be uh, a finals MVP. And then to not just be that, but to go there so many times and play with some of the best. The type of perseverance and work ethic that that takes You know, struggles, it it makes me struggle to find words to truly give him the respect that he truly, that he deserves. And I can't, I can't imagine being some of his closest family and friends, parents, parents should never have to bury a kid or a kid's kid. His daughter, the legacy that she no, you know, that what could have been. But he was good. God damn it, he was good. And I'm going to miss him, his interviews on the DP show and just in general. Um, I, I cheers to him. He deserves a few minutes of, of, of appreciation on my platform, no matter how small or big it is, what it's going to become. I cheers to you, Kobe, your family. Your former teammates, thank you for the for everything that you've done, um, and I'm sorry to the entire Bryant family for their loss. It's sad, it really is. But what he taught us was to play hard, play sick, play injured, and this week play sad. We play on. We turn on that microphone. We. F- we, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how long it takes on hold, no matter how heavy those weights are, no matter how boring work may seem, 
no matter how long the trip may be, no matter how much pain you're in, you push through. You get through it. And that's what makes you a champ. If nothing else, it at least gets you to the next level of life. And you appreciate that so much more when you struggle like that. So, here's to Kobe. Take care, champ. Anyways, let's uh, softly segue to the reason why I was late. I wasn't going to really talk about it. I was going to quietly go away. I've mentioned my issues with Comcast and just large companies in general that, well, they just keep raising their rates. And it was just, it's annoying to know that we as people, there is something we can do about it. I like being, I appreciate the individual, but when you come together as a community, there are ways that as a community, and I mean by a community, by neighbors, your neighbors, the people that live below you, above you, there are ways that we could come together as neighborhoods to put a hurt on these larger companies that, even though the individuals there are decent people, the ones up top don't give a damn. They don't. They never will. And that's just how it how it evolves. But as a community, you can do something about it. There are a lot of ways. I'm sure, and I could talk about it, and, and there are ways technically to do it. But I'm just going to state here quietly that I have rid myself of that burden of having an account with them. I no longer have to deal with them at least on a level where they know my first and last name, my phone number, my social security, or any other information that flows in and out of my house. I'm done with them. I don't have to deal with any anymore, at least to the best of my knowledge, or until I move into another town or something like that. But for now, I'm rid of them. And let's hope that pestilence doesn't bother me for quite some time. Uh, and that's why... That's why instead of coffee, and since it's still so late, I figured this will probably help me sleep more. I don't drink that much. Quite frankly, vodka was the only thing I had left in the house. <laughs> so, uh, I had a bunch of things that I wanted to get to, uh, as far as questions and uh, as far as like there was some dig Q and A that I wanted to get to this week. This is obviously not your normal uh, podcast where I'm sipping coffee and fully caffeinated, and you know, it's just a different vibe tonight. It's a different vibe, and that's okay. It's not always going to be the same. It's not going to always be me ready to piece something together that allows me to bitch, moan, and complain and put together a nice 30-second clip for Instagram. Sometimes it's a little different just because that's how life is. But there are some things that I normally wanted to go over. There's some a lot of topics that have been sitting here for two weeks because they just never made the, the time cut. But today's the day. So I am going to get to – I'm going to put this thing aside because I already know I'm looking right at it. Uh, it was kind of a cramp to get everything going, but I made it work. So let's go ahead and finally get to this article because I've been, I've been on this tirade lately about nutrition and misinformation. And I'm, I found this article about, cause first of all, we all love junk food. We all love junk food. We just can't help it. It's, it's just in our, basically at this point it's in our DNA. And I know we're all trying to look for alter- alternatives, and maybe we, instead of buying them, we can make them. When in doubt, make them yourself. You're probably fine to be better off for you. But this is an article by Mel Magazine. It's basically about ranking veggie chips by how healthy they are. You go into them. You've seen them. We've all eaten them. Uh, we've eaten like, ooh, kale chips or veggie straws. Veggie straws are a notorious offender. Uh, Terra chips are the ones that looks like flower petals. But at the end of the day, they all pretty much have some type of flour in them, which is a nu- nutrient void uh, nutrient it's a food that's devoid of nutrients so i'm gonna look at these i actually the ranking of the chips is who's the who's the freaking who's the dork who wrote this ian lecklitner he's a staff writer at mill magazine he mostly writes about his everyone's favorite thing sex drugs and food well i mean food's definitely one of my favorites hmm so let's get into it, shall we? Okay, fine. So we're ranking veggie chips by how healthy they are. All right, so let me read it since he wrote it. Veggie straws, terra chips, green peas, sea snack crisps, 
which I can eat like a whole bag of Doritos without the unpleasant aftermath after eating, eating a whole bag of Doritos. Okay, a whole bag of Doritos is like five minutes of mouth pleasure. I'll eat bag of Doritos, like a bag of like Cool Ranch, until like my mouth starts to bleed. But thankfully, I've kicked that, kicked that to the curb. Potato chips, I hate to say, are, atro- are atrociously unhealthy, commonly loaded with calories, salt, gratuitous ingredients, and undesirable fats. They're also usually they also usually endure a frying process that can create a chemical called acrylamide, or which is believed to contribute to the development of cancer. Yeah, when you fry in things like canola oil or vegetable oil, you're in for a long day. Combine all those with the potato chips coming up short of a nutritional spectrum because it's basically just a starch carb, and you end up with a lot of bad, no good. But they do taste delicious. Uh, let's see. So he talked to Dana Hoons, a senior dietitian at the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center, to rank veggie chips. So as far as vegetable goes, potatoes are relatively no, low in nutrients. Sweet potatoes are higher in, in, in nutrients, but at the end of the day, they're both a heavy carb. Um, and see, unhealthy ingredients, but let's get to the actual chips. So we got bear carrot chips, rhythm beet chips, Terra Exotic Chips, Rhythm Kale Chips, and 365 Veggie Chips. So number one for the healthiest, and I'll break this down afterwards if I'm sober, Bear Carrot Chips and Rhythm Beet Chips are tied for number one. Hoon specifically calls these two out as among the healthiest, not healthy, said among the healthiest for several reasons. Both of them are baked or roasted, so they're not fried in oil, which keeps the calories and unhealthy fats down. They have no extra ingredients except besides the vegetables themselves, and a bit of salt. And I'm going to state the beginning, and I'll try to state at the end. Salt is not bad for you. Not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. The salt is a, is a very good ingredient. It's essential to your body. Without it, you drown. Okay? Salt, potassium, magnesium are essential, combined with water, for the human body to thrive and to recover. Carrot chips have added a dash of salt. The beet ones only contain the salt naturally found in the beets. Of course, both carrots and beets come loaded with nutrients. Beets are definitely nutrient-dense. Too many carrots is actually bad for you. So considering these chips are essentially just roasted versions of them, your body will appreciate you eating them. Your taste buds, on the other hand, maybe not so much. So apparently they're devoid of flavor. Well, there is a way to combat that. If you have like regular like steak seasoning kicking around the house, if you have that, you can actually take some of that. Like Take like a little bit of olive oil and then just... Dash a little bit on top of the uh, like a bullet of these chips, these rhythm beet chips or bear carrot chips, and then add in like some of that Montreal steak seasoning or something like that, or pork rub or whatever, and then just like popcorn, just roll it around in that. And then what happens is that seasoning will stick to the chips, and then you've got a delicious, still nutritious ish snack. Tara, oh boy, number three. Terra Exotic Vegetable Chips and Rhythm Kale Chips. Like I said, this is not going to be your normal 4 o'clock podcast. Oh! So Terra Exotics, which are the ones that look like rose petals, and Rhythm Kales. Both of them, as far as I can tell, are dehydrated without being fried. And while the kale chips have additional ingredients, sunflower seeds, which in large portions is not good for you, apple cider vinegar, which is actually good for you, lemon juice, which is perfectly fine, none of them are nutritionist fillers. Moreover, both kale and root vegetables used to make terra chips, including sweet potatoes, are super nutritious. Yes, sweet potatoes are nutrient-dense. They do have a bit of salt, which is fine, and even some sugar, expected. But unless you go binging on them, none of them should add up to anything significantly unhealthy. The last part, I'm going to repeat, none of them should add up to anything significantly unhealthy. But overall, probably going to spike your glucose. That's the whole point. If you are trying to lose weight, spiking your glucose, if you continuously do that, is going to eventually reverse what you're trying to do. Number five, Hippie Snacks Avocado Crisps. Hippie Snacks Cauliflower Crisps. Cauliflower is that notorious offender. A lot of cauliflower is will spike because cauliflower is definitely more carby. It's more of the carby vegetable as far as like versus like broccoli or whatever. Cauliflower Crisps and Forager Super Greens. Well, none of these are particularly bad choices. Bad is in that little italic. Especially compared to your standard potato chips, they contain some of what would be considered filler ingredients, like rice, flour, and starch. 
Again, none of these are downright dangerous per se, but more bulking ingredients means fewer nutrients for the actual vegetables. So basically, once the once there's starches or flours that are inserted into the fla- into the actual ingredients, yeah, you're all done. That's it. At that point, you're at the point of no return. You're just basically eating a potato chip. Number seven is the last one. Sensible portions garden veggie straws. Harvest snaps green pea snack crisps, which I wish were healthy, but they're not. And 365 value veggie chips. These are all good examples of marketing that attempts to create an image of the healthy product while pushing something that, in reality, is just kind of blah. Sure, these have fewer calories and less fat than Cheetos. Cheetos are delicious. But the small amounts of vegetables in them have been so blended up with rice, starches, and oils that any that they may contain are scarce. Any nutrients that they may contain are scarce. Might. Because, but plus because there are so many airy filler ingredients, and because the packaging promotes a sense of healthiness, it can be really easy to eat more than you should, which can shoot your salt intake through the roof. And yeah, that's where the bloating comes in. And then now all things considered, even the health, unhealthiest veggie chips are healthier than the cheese-dusted crap you buy at the gas station. But the idea that veggie chips are straight-up healthy is, for the most part, misleading. Unless they are literally just baked vegetables in the va- in the bag, in which case, can you even really call that a chip? Well, I guess what you can do, if you want to try to make chips at home, it's actually not difficult. If you want to make potato chips, you just slice them really thin, you throw them in a big fat fryer, and then you fry them until they're crunchy. That's simple as that. If you're going to bake them in the oven, well, first of all, kale chips are super easy. If you're gonna, if you want crunchy kale, all you do is just take a shitload of kale, you throw it, you you put your oven on high heat, you lay them out on a pan, you add a bunch of salt and some seasoning, a little bit of olive oil, drizzle over the top, and you throw them in the oven until it basically turns black. And that's it. That's a kale chip. Doesn't get any more different than that. That's all you got to do to make a kale chip. They just turn black in the oven. They just they decay so quickly. As far as other things like carrots, you got to slice them pretty thin because these things the things with vegetables is they have a, they obviously have a lot of water. You got to be able to heat them up to the point where all that water escapes. Once you do that, you have a chip. Basically, you have a chip. They got to be sliced really thin though. And then like like I said, you put it on high heat, you're good to go. And then you got to figure out how to freaking get them off the pan. If you have a nonstick pan, it'll definitely help. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what you do. It's not its not a difficult task. It's just that it's a time-consuming task. So if you have like a really, uh, a, a little, like a personal slicer that's really thin, you'll be able to get that going. Now, it's nothing wrong if baking them in the oven or frying them in oil if you're using the right oil. So if you're using olive oil or avocado oil, you're good to go. Because then all you're doing is eating a veg, essentially what you're doing. It's just eating a vegetable and a chi- a vegetable and an oil, but olive oil, which is a nutrient. It's a that's a proper fat that your body should be taking in. So if you're basically eating like um, I don't know kale chips and oil, you're good. If you uh, but then again, you're just eating fried vegetables. But the fact is, it's it's perfectly fine for the most part, you know. The thing is, though, once you process a food by baking it or frying it in oil, you are changing how the food should be absorbed in the body. Therefore, possibly changing how good it is really for you. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But making chips is fun. Whatever you can chop into a chip is perfectly fine with me. You just take it and you throw it in the oven, bake it with a little bit of seasoning on top of it, and then poof, you're done. But then again, you are eating healthy. And you are kind of, you won't feel satisfied when you do it. That's the whole thing about. That's the whole thing about uh, these these kale chips. They don't. You can eat like ten thousand these things, and never be full. That's what I, I find sad about kale chips. They're kind of tasty, but and when you really think about it, you eat them. You eat like a bag of Doritos. It is. It's mouth pleasure for like five minutes, and then you kind of feel like shit afterwards. You really, you you truly do. And if you can get past the idea of just having that mental satisfaction for like 2.2 seconds, you're actually going to be much better. You'll be much better off. You'll start appreciating whole foods more and more to the point where junk food is really just, it's number one, it's not in your house anymore and you're not really craving it, you know? So, I mean, I wish you luck if you're going to be trying to make these things, these bags of chips. First of all, if it's in a bag, then you're already heading downhill, in my opinion. So I would just 
not even bother with any of these things. I get it. It's it, it. Bear does a good job. Bear makes those coconut chips as well, but you can also make those yourself. Just get a coconut. I remember I was in Palm Beach. I was at this Airbnb, and there was like a ton of coconuts out back. Just they were falling from the tree. So I was just taking a hatchet to them and beating the shit out of the... Dude, it is so hard to get open a coconut. It is. It, it can't really... Can't, I mean, without spilling the juice, it's hard. Because it still has the husk on the outside, whereas the actual coconut is underneath all that stuff. So you got to get like a hatchet and then like smash it against the ground, and then it opens right up. But what's inside is absolutely unbelievable. It's delicious. So... Yeah, with, I mean, with effort, anything tastes way better. But that's the thing is people are trying to skate by by, first of all, you're paying you're paying so much money for these chips. Like, I can only imagine what these rhythm beet chips and these bare carrot chips taste like. Or not what they taste like, but what they, what they cost. And for that amount, you could buy, you know, 10 times the, the amount of product that was designed to make it and just do it yourself. Or just not even bother. When you look at the money that you invest into these shortcut these shortcut products, you're like, is it really necessary? Should I really be spending my money on this? Most likely no. So uh, I would steer clear of it altogether. I mean, carrots, yeah, they're nutrient dense. I mean, they're kind of nutrient dense, beta carotene, things like that. But at the end of the day, carrots are higher in sugar in large, large quantities they actually aren't, they don't feel that great on in you. And um, I would just not, I would just not have them in a salad, eat one every once in a while, maybe before you go to the gym, but that's about it. Uh, I did actually catch a movie before I got to Q&A. I did catch a movie this weekend. You know what's funny is when you watch these based on a true story movies, you watch these based on a true story movies, then you wonder how much of the story is actually true. And it's interesting when you watch a movie and then you, you come to find out that almost none of it is true. It, based on a true story. So it's like you go back to the beginning. Like I watched 2007's uh, American Gangster with Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. A bunch of other people are in it too. The Rizza is in it. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, who was in a who, who the, what the hell is his name? That's not Chadwick Boseman. It's the other guy. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, I think his name is. I want to say it right. Pay the man his respects. So he's in it as well bunch of other people are in it too oh josh brolin's in it too so it's about this guy this gangster obviously that's why it's called american gangster uh it starts off really aggressively it basically starts off with him lighting a dude on fire and then shooting him like seven times it's just like oh okay this is how we're doing it so it starts like that and it has a very i mean first of all the movie is fantastic like the movie itself even if it wasn't based on a true story fantastic movie the the crime drama aspect is on point the uh the you know the rise and fall of the anti-hero in some ways is totally there the acting's fantastic obviously denzel washington never fails uh russell crowe's character is awesome josh brolin's character you love to hate and then a few other characters are in there as well and uh it does come to a culmination at the end so the fact that you in at this point I'm like okay well how much of this is actually true so I went and checked it out and it turns out basically it's like um this thing about a Frank Lucas who built a drug empire by smuggling in um heroin through uh military means okay well at this point it, it, the movie starts out where it's like okay him being a drug dealer is about as true as the movie it is. It's like there was a guy and he sold drugs. And that's pretty much it. Sure, there was question about how he got. I mean, I be I believe what was true is yes, he smuggled it through the U.S. military during the the during the Vietnam War. He was smuggling pure heroin, pure poppy, through military transport. Get got it back to Harlem and sold it on the streets and killed a lot of people. Pure heroin. Pure heroin called Blue Magic back in the late 1960s, early 70s, where, I mean, pure heroin, it's just, that's just evil stuff. And all over Harlem. So, 
Yeah, 98% pure heroin. That's what it says. Frank Lucas. That's his name. Apparently, he smuggled it in coffins of fallen soldiers. Oh, let's see. It was directed by Ridley Scott, too. But it was, I mean, it was pretty interesting. So, Frank Superfly Lucas. Based on a true story, American Gangster, da 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 Most well-profiled, let's see. If you're unfamiliar with Lucas or the film, here's some of the wildest details. Like, okay, his origin story about a man himself um, inspired by enter a life of crime after witnessing a Ku Klux Klan member murder his 12-year-old cousin. And then fast forward a few decades later, thanks to the deadly brand of imported heroin known as Blue Magic, Lucas wreaked epic havoc in Harlem. Frank Lucas was, yeah. Let's see. Prosecutor Richie Roberts was the cop at the time who actually brought him down. What was funny at the end of the movie, which I think is true, was uh, Richie Roberts at the end, after convicting him, he made Frank Lucas turn state's evidence and gave him a lighter sentence because Richie Roberts actually quit and became a defense attorney. And his first, apparently, according to the movie, his first client was Frank Lucas because apparently Frank Lucas turned over so much state evidence that he buried parts of the Italian mob and other people in the drug trade. And for that, he got like a suspended sentence and he was out at 19, he was out in 1991. And he died just recently. He died in 2019. May of 2019 is when Frank Lucas died. So he was in prison for like 15 years. 15 years, this dude murdered a lot of people. He sold a ton of drugs. And that was it. That's all he got was 15 years. But he turned over a lot of evidence, and apparently the information he had was far more valuable. But as far as the dramatic effect of the, the, the movie, that's always interesting, and I always am disappointed to find out when the movie was not actually true. That always disappoints me. It's, like, it's to know that, it's like, oh, that never happened? Oh, that wasn't real? But you have to expect that. But as far as a movie, a movie draws you in. A movie draws you in, and, and then you kind of attach this to the character. But you should, I mean, as a movie buff myself, I should definitely go out of my way to look up these movies and find out what's true and what's not. So, I mean, as far as what they say was true and what's not, the cadaver connection, Lucas wasn't involved with making the connection, Atkinson fetishes up to smuggling scissors inside the furniture. Okay, fine. Uh, how he managed to procure his blue magic might be fabrication, but there's no denying that it made Lucas a rich man. I wanted to be rich, he told Jacobson. I wanted to be Donald Trump rich. And so help me God, I made it. He claimed to make $1 million per day at one point, but at that point, too, was later to be discovered as an exaggeration. Regardless of the truth of his take, Lucas didn't get to enjoy the fruits of his labor for very long. Yeah, not a long-lasting lifestyle. Uh, hobnobbing with some of the New York's greats. Uh, drug lord's assets were seized, including 580 grand in cash. That's a lot of cash. And he was sentenced to 70 years in prison. But then he, bre- he let's see, he turned state's evidence. He already did seven for good be for well he already he was in there for seven and then he turned evidence and that was it. He freaking got out in 1991. He'd likely still be in prison today. Uh, DA nabbed more than a hundred drug related convictions. One relatively minor setback aside, a seven year sentence for attempted drug deal in his post informant life. He's been in parole since 1991. More recent interviews, Lucas has walked back a bit of the braggadocio, admitting for an instance that he only had one false coffin made. At a glance, it looked like Frank Lucas managed to get everything through relatively unscathed and reportedly enriched. According to the New York Post, Lucas received $300,000 from Universal Pictures and another $500,000 from the studio in Denzel Washington to buy a house and a new car. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, because he was, he was, Frank Lucas was on set for the actual movie when it was made. Which is generally what happens when you go to these movies, uh, these biopics in some ways. Uh, they'll try to get the people near and dear to give them information on what to, how to make the movie more authentic. But Hollywood being what Hollywood is, they'll tend to just run with it and make it their own. So, But at the end of the day, beyond the ravages of the famous Blue Magic, Lucas admitted uh, is an admitted killer. I killed the baddest motherfuckers, not just in Harlem, but in the world. And with a coffin legend walk back, not just a bit of evidence, but admitted liar on a grand scale. Yeah, he wasn't Robin Hood either. For what it's worth, Lucas himself says that only 20% of American gangster is true. But the guys that busted him, because they made made the New York uh, detectives unit 
uh, out to be crooks. Now, whether it's true or not is another story. But the guys that busted him say that that's also an exaggeration. DEA agent Joseph Sullivan, who raided Lucas's home back in 1975, says it's closer to single digits of what's true. His name is Frank Lucas. Quote, his, Frank is, his name is Frank Lucas, and he was a drug dealer. And that's where the truth in this movie ends. So apparently, uh, a lot like uh, Zero Dark Thirty, this movie's also full of a lot of shit. But as far as the movie goes, it is captivating. It's interesting. Anything with Denzel Washington in it will generally want to will generally get my attention. Uh, not as much as the Equalizer, which is pretty dope. That was a good. That's a good Denzel Washington movie. You definitely want to check that one out. But as far as this movie goes, it was a fabulous. It was one of Ridley one of Ridley Scott's better movies. And maybe I gave it a bit much by giving it five stars, but I found it ultimately captivating. Uh, along the lines of Scarface. Not as brutal as Scarface, although there were some scenes that were a bit aggressive, but enjoyable nonetheless. And not as, I don't know if it was as long as Scarface. It didn't feel as long as Scarface. And for me, Scarface is like a three-star movie. I liked it, but I didn't love it. So that's one thing to consider. But as far as um, the rise and fall like in Scarface, yeah, more authentic, definitely. Uh, for sure. You can see a lot of the case, like for example, there's a, when he, the scene where he buys the giant mansion and the white people next door are like, kind of like checking it out. They're very curious to see a black guy, uh, buying a giant mansion. Well, the new money aspect is there. And the fact that it was in the early seventies and, you know, obviously black guys weren't buying mansions back in the day, uh, a little different environment, honestly. Uh, they were curious and they were, I mean, probably scared or worried, but the fact is, I mean, Black or white, this guy was a drug dealer. Not only a drug dealer, but a racketeer, not a racketeer, uh, racketeering, uh, extortion, murder, trafficking. The guy was trash, pure and simple. So for him to be displayed, I mean, obviously they try to portray these. You find that in a lot of movies nowadays where a guy is portrayed even if he's like a heavy t- big time drug dealer is to have like sort of a soft side or kind of a justification for why they do what they do. But the fact is it's still what they do is reprehensible, but it's because it's, it's Denzel Denzel's character. You can't help but love Denzel no matter what he does. Even in training day, you can't help but love the character or feel sorry for the character in some way, shape or form. And when you can do that with a movie, even though basically almost none of it's true, it deserves my applause. It deserves my approval, and it deserves four or five stars. I gave it five stars because I just I enjoyed it, and I hadn't seen a movie in a while, but I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. Um, as far as, like, just just look at it. It's a movie. It's supposed to entertain and inform. It definitely entertained more than it informed. Uh, and the right actors were picked for the roles. Richie Roberts, played by Russell Crowe, terrific. Denzel Washington himself, terrific. So for that, yeah, I gave it high praise. It was an enjoyable flick. So American Gangster 2007, uh, crime drama. Go and check it out. And the good news is it's definitely shorter than The Irishman. <laughs> so go ahead and check that out. Uh, it's available, I believe, on Hulu. So go and check that out right now. We're at 41 minutes on this uh, vodka-infused podcast. Mm. So let's go ahead and finish up with some Q&A as soon as I find it. There it is. Yeah, let's just finish out with some Q&A. Might as well. So to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. I air twice a week now, once on Sunday and on Wednesday. Uh, And uh, also, of course, the fact that it's, you know, I'll generally have my coffee on display. If you have questions, questions about the coffee I drink, normally I don't drink vodka, but it's been a long day, so I figured I'd have a nice little glass of put me to sleep. So, yeah, you can go to PositiveSarcasm.com. You can contact me there. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can find me on social media. And, uh, yeah. So, let's get to the Q&A. I generally do this every week. So, let's see here. All right. Dig Q&A number one. Was I a jerk for asking my cousin to dye her hair or wear a wig to go to my wedding? Go with my wedding colors. I'll repeat that because I may cut this out for the Instagram. Was I a jerk for asking my cousin to dye her hair or wear a wig to go with my wedding colors? My 24-year-old female bridesmaid, cousin Ella, is to be in my wedding party in June. The ongoing issue is that my wedding has a blue and green peacock theme, and guests have been asked to follow the color scheme with their clothes. 
Hair wasn't originally included at all in the color scheme, but my cousin Ella has a natural bright ginger hair. I would never ask someone to permanently change their hair for my wedding. I know that it would be bonkers, so I adjusted some temporary hair dye. But Ella argued that she has been growing her hair for six years and doesn't want to risk the color not washing out. I thought this was ridiculous because it literally says washes out in like 14 washes. So I gave up on that avenue and suggested a wig. It is one day, one single day, and there's some amazing wigs these days. I had a look on Instagram and you wouldn't even be able to tell. But she said she would feel self-conscious and weird wearing a wig that because her hair is butt length that it might sit weird on her head. So she won't dye it and won't cover it up. I really don't want to come across as a bridezilla, but butt length flaming red hair with will destroy the wedding photos. Destroy the wedding photos. Hmm. I smell a bitch. And ruin the color scheme completely. I am at a loss. I can't cut her hair for the wedding because my mom would murder me, because, but I can't have freaking Marita ruining the photos. Am I too much to ask for asking her of her to just one single day? You shouldn't be getting married. You're a terrible human being. How dare you? You can ask. And she says no, that's the end of it. And how does it ruin the photos? What kind of fucking production are you trying to put on? A wedding, okay, the wedding coordinator is designed to coordinate the production. A wedding is, shouldn't be considered a production. It should be a really enjoyable day that's all about the bride and groom. But you shouldn't be jeopardized. I get it. I am definitely, when it comes to weddings, I'm all about the bride and groom. But this is different. You, you want them to wear a certain theme. That's done. But you're not making them wear a stupid wig. You're not making her dye her hair. That's ridiculous. That's a, that's a ridiculous request. You can, it, yes, are you allowed to ask it? Yeah. If she says no, that's the end of it. And yeah, you you say, you ask the question. If you have to ask the question, you definitely know the answer. Uh, coming across as a bridezilla? Yeah, you're a bridezilla. You are the, the most despicable of brides, okay? Everything has to go a certain way or you're not going to have a good time. Or the wedding photo is going to ha- look terrible. Yeah, I get it. Photographers are expensive. They go like between $1,000 and $2,000 for just one single wedding. But the fact that you are like this, it only come, yeah, it comes out in 14 washes. It's her fucking hair. Otherwise, don't have her as uh, a bridesmaid. You know, I always go back to the basics. It's like if you act like this, why are you? Why is somebody wanting to marry you to begin with? If you're gonna be like this, I can't imagine what you'd be like with like an interior decorator, or when you're going to pick out a car, or when you're ordering a fucking coffee at Starbucks. I wouldn't want to be around you as a human being. And I, this is a, one of the reasons I don't enjoy being around human beings to begin with because you're you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> So, no, you can't change your hair. And shut up. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Dick number two. Is it reasonable for my boss to require everyone to camp instead of staying in hotels on work trips? Oh, that sounds glorious. <laughs> I started on half. I started on staff at a small environmental conservation nonprofit. Uh-oh. I might not be siding with you on this one. My coworkers and I are PR, fundraising, and outreach staff. All of us are a brand new dirt due to turnover. Okay, maybe I will be siding with you. Today, we received an email from our boss that says, when we are traveling for work, we try, when possible, to stay at a state park. Cabins in the winter, camping normally in the summer, since most cabins are booked for the week. The state agency responsible for camping fees provides us a waiver so that we may stay for free. Print this waiver. I know at least one of my coworkers feels as I do. We're not going to camp alone in a park in a tent. I can't believe this. Advice. Even if we book a cabin, which we've limited availability, we'd have to book, take bedding, and our boss had previously told us that many of the state cabins have bed bug problems. Oh, Jesus. Here's the thing. If you are working for a company, even nonprofits make money. People take home paychecks, okay? At the end of the day, the vast majority of nonprofits have a they have a cash cow kicking around, all right? And they should be able to, unless you're going to, like, Africa, uh, they have they should have waivers and money left over for you being able to stay in at least some type of room with a bed or something to that effect. They shouldn't be subjecting you to the environment. Although, these campgrounds nowadays, campgrounds basically have electricity, they have p- pools, they have showers, they have fucking Wi-Fi. 
so but that's besides the point i mean to stay if you are at work and you're going on a work trip they should have money for you to stay in a hotel or a motel or something that doesn't involve laying on the ground so yeah somebody's being a cheap prick and they need to pony up some dough for you to at least stay in a nice place because i feel that a well-rested worker is a more productive worker i mean i mean that's not even how i feel that's just more facts than anything so all right how many we got left how do i tell my girlfriend that the massive back tattoo she got of my face for my birthday is too much for me i've been together with my girlfriend for a little over eight months now we don't live together but she only lives about five minute walk from me I would have described the relationship before this week as pretty slow. Neither of us really wanted any big commitments yet. So outside of date nights, Netflix, and occasional hookups, the relationship had been pretty laid back. That's not a relationship. But anyways, I prog- I reg- I'll go back. That was until last weekend. My birthday was Saturday, and my brother came to town, and we were going to have a small party. I invited Kim, obviously, and she seemed really excited. Kim claimed that she had spent over a month thinking about what to give me after I supri- supervised her supervised her can you even write after i surprised her with a pretty expensive present for her birthday well saturday comes and we were having a party with about nine people kim made a big show about getting everyone together because she wanted to give me her present in front of everyone well that's where things get crazy for my quote birthday present kim got a massive tattoo of on her back of my face underneath my face there's a text saying mine forever the silence was deafening. It didn't help. It didn't help that the tattoo was not even half done. I was not ready for this, and I had to go into the other room just to breathe. This is completely out of my comfort zone, and I have no clue what to do. Before Saturday, I didn't. I did feel a spark with her. I did like her a lot, but this is just way too much. Okay, I'm just thinking of the fact that if you ever bent her over when you're banging her, when you pull out to blow your load, are you blowing your load on your own face? (laughs) Oh, that's disgusting. You're nasty. You're nasty. Imagine if you had a twin. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's so fucking funny. Oh, yeah, baby. Here I go. Oh, all over my forehead. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, this bitch is crazy. You sure know how to pick them, bro. Um, okay. Well, is this your fault? No, I don't think it's your fault. Let's try. <laughs> Let's try to be realistic about this. You were smushing this chick. You maybe were stringing her along, which is probably not the best thing to do. None of all of us have done it. It's not a good thing to do. All right. That being said, she went out of her way to go and get a tattoo. All right, fine. We all get tattoos. But she got one of your face. It doesn't matter where she got it. In fact, she got a tattoo of your face, and it says mine forever, which means she's she's nuts. Now, I mean... (laughs) I'm glad it's not half. I'm glad it's like not even half done because this relationship is over. I so I feel so bad. It's like I can't. Oh my god, her! You're gonna dump her. You're gonna get rid of her. You're gonna kick her to the curb, and she's gonna have a half done tattoo of your face on her back. And I. I, I don't that's I don't know how she's gonna respond to that. But you obviously all right, you have to in all seriousness, you have to protect your best interest. You have to protect your well being against any psycho that you happen to bring into the house to smush up with. And the fact that this chick went out of her way to do something so insanely insane that's that it's beyond insane, you have to I mean, I I'm okay. See, here's the thing. I'm gonna make an exception here. Clingy chicks are okay. There's nothing wrong with clingy chicks. Clingy chicks are kind of cool. They're appreciative. They work hard. They do a lot to get your attention. They're very lovey. They're close. They don't, they don't, they're, they're great. They're okay people. Nothing wrong with clingy chicks, okay? Clingy chicks have a lot of value. They're okay. This is not clingy. This is borderline crazy. This chick has to go away. 
you need to basically just listen. Give her a call on the phone, listen, we're, and be like, we're done. You're not getting a tattoo of my face on your back that says mine forever. That's psychotic behavior. I can't see myself being with you. I'm sorry. This isn't going to work out. Goodbye forever. And that's it. You're going to stop all communication. I don't care how much she texts you. I don't care how she finds Yeah, five minutes, walk away. But the fact is, is that you're going to have to get security for your house. You're going to have to go get some of those those cameras. You're going to go get yourself some of those. That security. You know, go get uh, Simply Safe and start hooking up your house because that chick's nuts. She's going to start murdering animals on your front lawn. And um, that's not good news. That's not good news at all. But this chick is completely nuts. So, yeah, get rid of her. Are we going to do anything? Let's see. Okay, we'll do one more. We'll do one more and then we're out of here because this was a this was a long a long day of kung fu fighting against Comcast. May I decide not to give my husband a funeral because I don't want all his illegitimate children to come? What the fuck is wrong with people? <sighs> I have been married for thirty seven years. During that time, my husband has cheated on me and fathered several children. As we've grown older, I've begun to think about final arrangement. If he dies, would I be wrong for not giving him a funeral or memorial service or having one of his sisters and brothers? I feel it would be disrespectful to me if the children that resulted from his affairs and possibly their mothers were there. Although my daughters love their father, I believe they would they would support my decisions. All right. No funeral. Just pack this guy into a fucking cannon and shoot him out into the ocean. That's pretty much it. I wouldn't want to have to deal with all that bullshit and all those moms and all those kids and all that whatever. I just wouldn't want to deal with it. It's just too much for me to handle mentally as is. I wouldn't want to be around any of those people. Just fucking shoot him out of a cannon, spread his ashes all over the ocean, walk away. And that's pretty much it. I w- and I would that's it. And and nobody gets anything. If you happen to get any of the money in the will, if there happens to be any after all the child support, great. But if not, you're done. Just say your prayers and be done with it. You don't have to do anything. If he was that, if, if first of all, you were still married to him, but at the end of the day, it's your decision. You don't want to be there. You don't want to go. You don't have to. That's the great thing about it. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do at all. So yeah, if you don't want to have a funeral, don't have a funeral. You know, go put, go put it somewhere and say they can go and pay their respects and you don't have to go. And you can state your reason and you can be okay with that. And I would be okay with that. You stuck with him through all the hard times, but you're not going because you don't want to deal with all the illegitimate children. So I I understand and I appreciate that. So, all right, we're at 56 minutes. I am done here. It's been a long-ass day. I've stumbled through this podcast. There will be another one on Sunday. I will get through it. I have to go out and hopefully shoot some video this weekend if I get a chance. But until then, this Vodka Infused podcast is done. I'd like to thank you guys all for uh, listening, watching, and subscribing and sticking with me through all this craziness. I'm glad I am where I am right now. i definitely looking forward to cleaning this up, getting it out, and getting some long-awaited, well-deserved rest. But I am victorious today. I am a little sad because of the Kobe Bryant thing. So uh, until then, you guys can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on facebook.com slash POS sarcasm and facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. If you want to donate to the podcast or if you want to get a free stock through the Robinhood app, just go to positive sarcasm.com slash donate. Any involvement is appreciated. Posing music for fitness for fitness people. Uh, go to positive sarcasm.com. Click on the posing music section. My YouTube channel, YouTube uh, is positive sarcasm. And of course, all the clips, positive sarcasm podcast. So find me on the social media. You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You can find me on all the platforms. Uh, so if you have any other questions, comments, concerns, PositiveSarcasm.com, PositiveSarcasm at Outlook.com as well. So until then, thank you for listening, watching, subscribing. I will check in on you on Sunday. Till then, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And then I'll watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Yes.
Sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home in Georgia Headed for the Frisco Bay Cause I've had nothing to live for And look like nothing's gonna come my way So I'm just gonna sit on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Everything still remains the same I can't do what ten people tell me to do So I guess I'll remain the same Sitting here resting my bones And this loneliness won't leave me alone Listen, two thousand miles I roam Just to make This is not my home Now I'm just gonna sit At the dock of a bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, I'm sitting on the dock of a bay Wasting time To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.